Thank you, Connie. Okay, so I'm going to mix these up. The good news is, this gives me all kinds of hints as to what you'd like to hear me speak about throughout the next year. So I'm going to mix them all up. There's still a couple in here from earlier today. Let's see what we've got. How much do you make and how much does the assistant minister make? (laughs) So what I will tell you... Yes, I know. Yes, go ahead. Not enough. So if you have questions like this, ours is an open budget. And we just approved the budget for 2016. If you want to know what any expense is here in the, in the community, whether it's salaries or it's what we spend on supplies or what the cost of the buildings are or any of that, that's public information. And all you have to do is call Robin, let her know that you would like to see the budget, and she will make an appointment at a time when it works for her. You do have to call and make an appointment, and you can look at any of those figures. You can also, if you are a member, or whether you're not a member, anybody can attend the membership meeting in March. And in March, we do a full disclosure on what all of our expenses are. So my suggestion would be, rather than answering this now, that you come to the membership meeting. Why can't I sustain the peace and completeness I feel after each service on Sunday? Good question, huh? So one of the things that's interesting to me about any religious belief is questioning if we really believe it or we just believe that the person who's saying it believes it, right? So do we really live into it, and do we do the practices that are offered to us? So there are lots of different things that can be done to help you stay in the positivity of what happens here. And one of those that I think is the most important if you're struggling with how to bring this into your life and really stay with it every day is to be in the practice of affirmation. To really be in the practice of making a statement for yourself that you're going to say every day. And I, I've told this story before. I used to keep an affirmation on my mirror about being a strong and powerful woman so much so that, that my children and other people asked me to take it down because they, they were tired of reading every day that they were strong and powerful women. Uh, when you're the only woman in the house, it works all right. But if, you're, if you have a public mirror, you might want to decide a different place. The point is, if you want to see life through positive eyes, then every day start the statement. Start your day with the statement, I open my eyes to see the positive. I open my eyes to see the goodness of life. I open my eyes to all that spirit brings me that makes my spirit grow. I open my eyes to see the goodness in everything that I encounter. If you create a practice of your own, a very simple practice, you can come back to it. A a simple affirmation like, all that occurs brings me good, 
can be really valuable in a really dark moment, can't it? All that occurs brings me good. I've shared this, I shared it at the earlier service, Richard, your, your sharing with me of, I can't wait to see what good this brings. What a powerful affirmation that is. I can't wait to see what good comes from this. In the dark moments, you have to have your own net to catch yourself in. And one of the very powerful things that unity offers is the practice of affirmations, that we will affirm the life we want to live. What goes in partnership with affirmations are denials. And those are equally important, aren't they? So a denial basically says, this has no power over me. This bill collector has no power over me. This broken down car has no power over me. This self-loathing has no power over me. I am the divine expression. This has no power over me. I express the divine in all I do. This has no power over me. The, the life that I lead, lead, lead is led by the holy. So those two things, I, I affirm this in my life, this has no power over me. Those are two of the biggest tools that you are offered here at Unity. And they're tools that, that will carry you from one Sunday to the next, that will fill in that space in between. And when you learn those statements and you place them in places that you see them, they remind you what it is that you experience when you come here on Sunday. And truly, those practices are what change your life so much more than what happens here on Sunday. Those are the kinds of things that make life different every single day and through the rest of your life. What are some of the triggers that assist us humans to awaken to truth and reality of the divine? I was just having this conversation. That's a good question. You want me to read it again? What are some of the triggers that assist us humans to awaken to the truth and reality of the divine? So I was having a conversation with someone in between services, and she was saying how interesting it was that she'd been getting messages all week about a certain subject about um, how to behave a certain way. And then that came up in our questions in the nine o'clock service. If you are walking through your life looking for, for life to express to you as well as through you, if you're looking for the oneness of the creator to work in your life completely, you will see it in everything you do. You will see it in, like I said, when I plan the lessons each week, I, I have a general theme that I'm working in, and then I pay attention. I pay attention to what goes in my inbox. I pay attention to the conversations I have with people. I pay attention to the thoughts that pass through my mind, and I start to see a picture of what's coming together. All the pieces start to flow. I never really know until I stand up here on Sunday morning how it's going to come together. I make notes all week long, and then I put the notes on the podium with my quotes, and I walk away from it. Because the moment I stay stuck to the paper, I can't let spirit come through. But if I just walk away and trust that whatever needs to come out will come, and just let it flow, it happens. And the same is true in your life. If you are looking for God to walk up and tap you on the shoulder and say, by the way, here I am, you have to be willing to see God in every person. It can happen. 
but you have to be willing to see God in the guy that's standing ringing the bell, waiting for your coins to go in. You have to be able to see the hands of God working to help people. You have to be able to see God in the person that sits across the desk from you and challenges you in a different way and makes you think about what you believe and who you believe in and who you're going to be. You have to see the face of God in your child or your partner who challenges you, who thinks differently than you, who pushes on your beliefs and makes you make decisions, makes you question yourself. If you're looking for God to just come and tell you everything's okay, you have to see that in the eyes and the hearts and the hugs of the people around you. You have to let someone hold you at the doorway here or back in fellowship and say, don't worry, it's all going to be fine and understand that's oneness with God speaking. That's not just a familiar face. We begin to see divinity when we look in each other's eyes when we trust that the things that come to us are not coming by accident, that the people that show up on our paths are not here by accident, that the lives we lead are not subject to circumstance. They're divinely led and divinely guided to bring us clarity of the soul mission we came here for. And each of us has a different soul mission. Each of us came to advance our soul somehow, to learn something. And we learn through the the challenges We learn through the sweetness and through the compassion and through the gentleness. We learn through each other. And that's where you find God. Should we, as a church, try to influence our society's laws? For what issues, what methods, legislative, executive, judicial? Good question. I I ask myself that question all the time. It's always the question where some churches are very socially active. They're out standing on city halls doors and they're demanding the way things are, the way things should be. Um, I I think that for me, as the spiritual leader here, what I come back to each time I ask myself that question is, are we loving well yet? Are we operating from love? Are we operating from oneness? If our mission is to be really at one with our creator and all creation, then can we look at our life, at the world around us, and see our oneness with all the things that irritate us? Right? Can we see our oneness with all the things we want to be different? And is it my job as the minister here, to move you out there to talk to them? Or is it my job to give you tools to deal with what we are creating in the world in a different way? For me, it feels much more important that when we come here, instead of going out there, that we work on the things that will make a difference. Because we will be another voice out there Here we are a soul level change. When we step deeper into love, when we step deeper into oneness, then we calm our souls, we calm the creative energies that are responsible for the things that we would like to be different. We live differently. We exude a different kind of energy. We change the world in a much more impacting way, in my opinion. 
Why do bad things happen to good people? There's a book out there. (laughs) I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. It's what we just said, isn't it? Soul level. Things challenge us. I have an amazing set of boys in my life. Each of them is different. All of our kids are different. Each of them have different challenges. Each of them have made me grow differently as a parent. Um, Life in general, working with people, all of those things touch me, trigger me, make me look at things different. I know they do you too. When we start looking at all of those things as the opportunity to be who we came here to be rather than the opportunity to be interrupted in our flow. When we have the opportunity to look and see these are, these are chances to decide who we want to be and to express ourselves intentfully, it makes a difference. Why do bad things happen? Bad things happen so we can respond differently. What happens when we're sick? You know, when we're talking, when the bad thing that happened is illness, why does that happen? We have to be careful that we don't commit metaphysical malpractice, that we don't blame ourselves. Oh, this happened because I did this wrong, or this happened because I'm thinking wrong about that. Or, you know, people will say that. Well, what did you do to manifest that illness? We can do that, but it doesn't fix anything, does it? What we can do is say, if I wanted to release this, what is being expressed through me? What, if, what am I congested about? What do I need to release? What am I holding in my body that's now turning into cancer cells? Can I release that? What is happening with me that I can now learn to do differently? These bad things that happen are named by us as bad. We get to choose bad or good, right or wrong. These are decisions we get to make. If I look at the actions of my son and I disagree with them and I name them bad, I will respond to him in one way. If I look at them as his opportunity to move forward in life differently, to learn and to grow, I will name them differently and I will respond to him differently. So we have to be very careful what we call good and bad, how we name things. And it's hard, folks, I know that I'm challenging you when I say that because we have blacks and whites, don't we? I believe this, I don't believe that. This is right, this is wrong. But we can can change how we think. We really, really can. And I have been in the position, as I'm sure many of you have, at one point or another in your life, where I didn't agree with the political leadership in our country. But what I can absolutely tell you is whether you believe it or not, at any, in anybody's time in those offices that guide our country, they are changing us, aren't they? We are becoming clear about what we want and what we don't want, what we believe is good and what we don't believe is good. And we can look at all of that and label them, or we can turn around and look at ourselves and recognize what is true for us and live from that. One more. Why is believing the truth so difficult and accepting unfounded beliefs, irrational fear, and hateful prejudices so easy for so many of us? FYI, spiritual warrior, I found it, I lost it, I found it, repeat as needed. 
Yes. Yeah. Why is it so hard believing the truth? Well, first of all, how many truths do you think we have in this room today? Probably 50 at least, right? We have a lot of different truths. We each get to decide our capital T truth. There are many small T truths, but we get to decide our capital T truths. The capital T truths are the ones that, that we live by. Why is it hard to believe what we know is true? And why do we respond so well to the other? So let's go backwards in our lives and let's think about growing up. That from our very first breath, there is someone to tell us what is safe for us and what is unsafe for us. And so we learn first that the exterior world will tell us what is not safe. So when we believe something and someone outside of us, especially someone with any authority, says that's not true, we are programmed to listen to them. We are programmed by our upbringing to pay attention to an exterior message. It made us survive as children. It's how we got through. Somebody said, stop, there's a car coming. A lot of us still have playing in our head the voice of that concerned parent concerned adult, whoever was in our life, to tell us, stop, don't do that, that will hurt you. We were taught first how to listen to that voice because we weren't capable of making decisions yet differently. What fails to happen for a lot of us as we grow up is recognizing our own voice in our head, is thanking that voice of whatever parent or influence or teacher that was and allowing that voice to belong to the person it belongs to, and trusting ourselves to now be the adult in this body. So if you want to change hearing those harsh voices as more important, you have to start listening to your own inner dialogue. You have to start, have to start questioning Whose voice is talking in there? And the best way I know how to do that is to ask yourself, if you were in this same situation, what would you say if it was a friend? Because the kind, soft, gentle voice that you use to comfort a friend, that's your real voice. That's the voice that belongs to you. And when you're expressing what is true to you, that's the voice you give permission to speak. And that voice doesn't have to say, this is the truth forever. What I love about Charles Fillmore is Charles Fillmore said, I reserve the right to change my mind. And he did. If you read his books from, from the beginning of his writing to the end, he changed many things, many ideas. As spiritual people, if we truly are open to God showing us, to learning to express God better, we're going to evolve. So it's okay to say, this is my small T truth today. Or nope, this is a capital T truth. I know that this is true for me now and this will always be true. And to give ourselves permission to have both kinds of truths. To give ourselves permission to be flexible enough to change our truth when it comes and to be solid enough in our learning, in our adult spiritual maturity to know what our capital T truths are and to hold to those. And 
In all of that comes the trusting of the holiness we are. That when we trust that we are living expressions of God evolving, yeah, that's the hard thing, isn't it? Like, if I'm a living expression of God, I should know all of this stuff. But what if God is evolving as we're evolving? Ooh. What if that's possible? That this whole oneness we are is continuing to evolve and expand. What if every small evolution we have in the greater oneness is a big evolution? Powerful thoughts, aren't Aren't they? Powerful to think about. We have to give some room, some flexibility for God to be something outside of what we think we know. And when we do that, we can give ourselves some flexibility and understand that we will evolve and change through our lives in our holiness. I have some quotes for you. And thank you for your questions. Albert Einstein said, Have holy curiosity. Make your life worth living. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, To help the young soul, to add energy, inspire hope, and blow the coals into a useful flame, to redeem defeat by new thought and firm action, this, though not easy, is the work of divine man. Dr. Seuss said, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. (laughs) Mahatma Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. (laughs) Christopher Morley said, there is only one success, to be able to spend your life in your own way. And Abraham Joshua Heschel said, just to be a blessing, just to live is holy.